realize what an excellent listener shares can be. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Washington, D.C., my guest is a pianist, composer, and vocalist who last August signed a multi-album contract with SRI Jazz. He has worked with Grammy and Oscar-winning composer, performers Marvin Hamlish and Randy Newman. My guest has released more than a dozen CDs, and his music has been featured in movies and TV shows. Plus, his songs have been performed by stars of Orange is the New Black and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. He has appeared at thousands of venues, including the Kennedy Center. You've been hearing a song of his entitled Talking to Furniture. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Joshua Rich. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing? Hi, Joshua. Doing great. Looking forward to our conversation today. Same here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. You bet. We always start off every week by having the guest talk about the song of theirs that we played during the intro. Way back on episode 12 of this show, an episode that I've referred back to a number of times over the years, we closed out the show with a song from Nashville-based singer-songwriter Mark Allen Barnett called Tables and Chairs. The hook in that song is, sometimes it feels like I'm playing for tables and chairs. I, I believe that he is the one that teaches young songwriters, ironically, about their needing to be visual furniture when lyrics are written. So it's cool to me that something like furniture could be written about in different ways. In his case, tables and chairs. And Joshua, in your case, take us through the tune Talking to Furniture. That's so funny. I had never, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd never heard of that. Um, and my reference is a little bit different, or at least where I took the song. So I was trading daycare for my daughter. I was bartering because mm. I couldn't afford it. And the daycare provider said, well, I have this patio furniture and it needs to be spray painted. And I thought, well, how hard can that be? And after three or four days of out there with a, you know, all these spray cans and stuff, I realized it was a little bit more arduous than I thought. But <laughs> I was literally starting to talk to the pieces of furniture as if they were real you know like oh i got your corner oh you can't get away from me and it was just funny and as with all my songs i tend to write most of my songs quite quickly and usually just in my head hmm. so i just was sitting there and it, it um yeah kind of like a mozart kind of quality i have which was just i just come up with the tune and i usually come up with the verse and the chorus right away and then sometime have to flesh it out at home but generally if it's a good if it's going to be a song that works it's going to come right away um and i just started singing it and then as I developed the lyric, I put it more towards relationship oriented and really funny with songs, which I'm sure you've heard a lot of songwriters say that you don't really know what people are going to get out of a song mm -hmm. um, until you hear what they get. And what a lot of people kind of get is what I wasn't really intending, but kind of a Randy Newman-esque irony about relationships, mm. um, which I didn't really intend necessarily, but I kind of have tailored the lyric that way. And when I do it, I sort of get that out of it but for me i always, i always remember back to literally talking to the pieces of furniture i'm like no i actually was talking to furniture but there are some <laughs> pathos and and subtle messages under that that are probably a little a little deeper so yeah this talent that you have of of coming up with a song you know pretty much all at once pretty quickly i've obviously talked with a number of songwriters on this show over the years and everyone talks about oh i have a pad of paper on my bedside table or i just talk into my iphone or and they all talk about how they keep track of their song ideas but when you come up with a whole song that fast and you're doing something like hey I can't, i'm getting dirty right now i'm spray painting furniture i can't stop and do anything how, how do you preserve an entire song idea i mean it's not even a hook it's a whole song Sounds yeah, like. that's 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 a good question. I think um, <clears throat> I've always had kind of a photographic memory with with music. So if I and I've made my living for a long time um, before I really just committed to being a full time performer, um, I played piano bars and lots of parties and just any kind of event you can imagine as a pianist. And um, I'm a self taught pianist, which is part of my story that I think makes me kind of unique. But maybe that lends itself to that because whenever 
I play anything, I basically record it. Like I can never forget it. I might not always remember words, but I always remember music. So I think that's part mm. of why I can like, I can record it kind of in that part of my brain, you know, that magical part. However, I mean, now that, you know, the, the advent of the iPhone, I mean, for sure. And digital recorders, I mean, it's a lot easier now. If I get an idea, I don't really push myself necessarily to finish the whole song. I will go ahead right away and just like, you know, capture it on the phone mm-hmm. and figure, well, at least I've captured it um, if I think it's worthwhile. But yeah, I just have always had that gift. I, I, um, I can usually flesh out pretty much the whole song. And then when I come home, I'll make sure I figure out what key I'm in and I'll, maybe I'll have to tinker with the last line mm-hmm. of the song. That always seems to be what I wrestle with uh, mm-hmm. the most. Like, what's the last bit? In general, yeah, I've had that gift for, yeah, for coming up with it, so... Well, I must say, I, I always take my hat off. I'm not a songwriter myself, but I'm always amazed at the way that songwriters can make a song out of something that, to the average Joe, something like spray painting furniture, it's almost like the old Seinfeld, you know, what'd you do today? Nothing. That's a show. Right. You know, what'd you do right. today? I spray painted some furniture. That's a song. Right. It is. How is that a song? I spray painted furniture. Step aside, Bruce. I'll show you. <laughs> it's just, it's so magical. The, you know, I heard Paul McCartney talk about how, you know, he doesn't really know what it is. It's just this magical thing. And he talked about dreaming a song and I've dreamed songs. I'll wake up and it's like, it's, it's turned into a song that I'll keep. I mean, I think that there's a mechanic to it. I think there's a technique to it. I think that you have to have chops as far as you have to, you know, be good at doing it and you have to work at your craft, certainly. But I think the essence of the inspiration, um, you know, maybe some people need to sit at a piece of paper. Some people need manuscript paper. Some people need to be with the band. I know some bands do it in the studios. I just think wherever it comes from, though, it's just such a magical thing of where do these melodies come from Mm -hmm. and i try not to think about this part of it too much but you know there are there are only a set amount of this is like you don't want to like a baseball player who backs up and catches a ball without looking at the back you know where he's going and you ask him to explain Mm -hmm. how he can do it and then he can never catch a ball again like i don't really like to talk about it because it's so magical (laughs) and ethereal but it's pretty amazing like we're you know so yeah it's kind of funny how different songs can come out of different places obviously if i'm really like going through a heartbreak that's a more readily obvious place to write a song or something really happy is happening but yeah i mean i think if you're i think if you're open and if you're sort of naturally creative and very tuneful which i feel like i am i think songs can kind of come out of a lot of different a lot of different places um and again who just just who knows what the mystery of the origin of where that really comes from, you know. Well, we're going to talk about your piano skills in just a moment. But first, while we're talking about songwriting, and since I mentioned in the intro that you've put out more than a dozen CDs, what about songwriting? How and when did you get started into that? Because there are certainly lots of artists out there who just sing or musicians who just play an instrument or those who sing and play an instrument, but they're all perfectly content letting someone else do the writing for them. And in your case, you obviously made the decision at some point that you're going to do all three. Well, I kind of had the decision made for me. So here's where my story as a self-taught musician comes into play. My was I was eight years old and I was sitting on my dad's lap, who was kind of an amateur piano player. Um, I've since found out that actually his brother, my uncle, uh, was a successful sideman uh, trumpet player in the 50s and 60s. Um, did pretty well, played with some really big names. Um, but I haven't. I just actually recently discovered all that, so I'm actually writing a movie about him. But um, anyway, I was taking clarinet lessons and I was staring at the piano in the in the room longingly. Um, and I remember this now looking back and then at, at about the age of eight, I sat on my dad's lap. He showed me how to play a C chord on the piano. Um, and from there, I just literally started playing and singing and composing. I've never had a lesson in my life and I write solo piano music, but I also write, write lyrics. Um, my first song was when I was 12, I wrote the song trying vegetables, which is actually on the album that you've been so nice <laughs> to play music from. Um, and it's held up. It's really held up. And, uh, yeah, I just always had the gift. So I'm really, it's kind of a funny thing because it's, I don't want to call it a blessing and a curse because I believe in being really positive about everything, but it's a funny challenge to actually be very multi-talented because I don't really fit into like I play solo piano or I play jazz or I sing or I write songs. It's kind of like I do it all and finding kind of role models has been sort of hard to do. So um, I've just realized that I just have a unique kind of gift and um, but it really chose me. I, I never had a lesson. I never thought about writing. I never thought about performing. I just, I'll never forget after I wrote my first few songs, looking up at my friends standing around the piano when I was performing and seeing the looks of happiness on their faces. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. I can do this. This is, this is what I want to do with my life. So um, pretty much that's what I started doing. And I've pretty much done it ever since. So, Well, for those of you who've 
tuned into this episode because you're a family member, a friend, a fan, a follower of Joshua. Thank you, of course, and and I do hope you'll check out other episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. But Joshua, for the benefit of the listeners who are just being introduced to you for the first time, just clarify some of what you were talking about, because once in a while I'll, I'll find myself asking a guest, you know, do you consider yourself a singer first, a pianist first, or a songwriter first, and then which is second and which is third? But then also, you kind of slipped in there about jazz, and obviously I mentioned in the intro that you've been signed by SRI Jazz Records, but you've also done a children's album. So in addition to the what's first, what's second, what's third, I don't want to say gun to the head, but Sometimes the way I'll phrase it is if if you're filling out a form online at a music website and you can only pick one genre, what right. do you what do you put yourself as? Is it always jazz or is it in that case, Bruce, that's what I would pick, but I also consider myself pop, I also consider myself et cetera, et cetera. That's just such a great question because that's exactly been so hard for me over the years to figure out what my genre is or what my tagline is, which is so important as we were talking about off air. Um, as far as getting out of your own way and, and, you know, trying to describe yourself to other people um, instead of like, I can do a lot. Now, there are some artists that are pretty versatile, but I think most artists do fall into one genre. I really don't. So I, I would pick pianist first, um, writer second, singer third, mm-hmm. writer and singer coming up a very close second and third, I think. Um, but yeah, piano playing is definitely is definitely the first thing I would say. And that's what comes most naturally. That's what I think my strongest gift is as a musician, I'm really, I'm just very uniquely and magically gifted as a pianist. Um, I have a connection to the keys that is really, people say it looks like I'm breathing. Um, I've been told that they sort of hear Mozart's Angels and Gershwin and mm. a lot of really amazing and Beethoven kind of coming out when I play. So wow. I feel very connected to the universe in a magical way when I play. Um, but singing and writing is right there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I just, I write in lots of different genres. I love kids music. I love solo piano. I do have a jazzy element to my playing, but I don't call myself jazz strictly because, um, you know, that conjures up, you know, Coltrane and Miles Davis. And that's not Mm -hmm. really what I'm doing. I would call myself more jazz in the tradition of like Louis Armstrong, George Gershwin, accessible mainstream, um, entertaining big band, uh, Ella Fitzgerald-ish kind of jazz. But yeah, I mean, so right, right now I just say, well, I'm piano pop. Uh, I'm like a jazzy mm. Billy Joel, jazzy Billy Joel. I just try to come up with sort of taglines to get people's heads around. I've been, I, but literally, and this is not to say like I'm one of those artists who can't be pigeonholed, but I literally have been compared to everybody from Randy Newman, Billy Joel, John Denver, Dr. Hook, George Gershwin, <laughs> Mozart, wow. Wow. Jim, Brick, Jim Brickman, George Winston. I mean, it's like, I, I almost sometimes wish I wasn't like that. Like I could just be like, I play <laughs> You know what I mean? Because it's kind of hard to market yourself when you're really. So what I do now is I just try to find an entry point and say I'm like a jazzy Billy Joel, or I'm a, I'm a, you know, like a piano pop artist, and then let everything else come from there. I understand what you're saying because I've seen someone who markets themselves as I sing everything from, and they've got this huge, huge range that's too broad. You yeah, know, exactly. and, and then you kind of go, well, wait a minute, what does that even mean? It's so broad, yet I don't know. Would you do this artist? Would you do this artist? So it, it is kind of tough. I just want to back up. I don't want to beat the dead horse on this, but but you are self-taught. And, and I hear people on this very show, mind you, who will say, I'm self-taught, didn't take lessons. And then they'll say, you know, I took lessons for like two weeks when I was a kid, and that wasn't for me, and I just entirely taught myself. But it sounds like you're saying... You literally never had a single lesson. It's just all self-taught. That's true. That's I amazing. Did, I, That's amazing. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it is amazing. I'm actually really blessed and feel very fortunate more and more as I as I grow up and as I see the world, um, how gifted and how really blessed and, and lucky I really am. Um, yeah, I mean, literally, my dad, I mean, I had a little understanding of the treble cleft because I had struggled through a few months of agonizing misery by learning the clarinet which i just hated <laughs> um so i kind of knew treble clef notes but that's really it and then once i started after that party i started just playing um i mean literally the next day i was just playing and wow. i had never even thought about the piano i had never even thought of it as something i wanted to do um but then i would like listen to elton john or the beatles or folk music or show tunes all this music i was lucky enough to inadvertently through my dad having all that music, I was able to learn it all. And I would literally listen to a song, go to the page of the song, and I would teach myself the chords, 
the theory, everything. And then once I was like 17, I just took off and started working as a musician. I've worked as a musician my whole life and I've taught myself how to be an accompanist, a music director. Uh, I've conducted orchestras. I can certainly write music. I'm an arranger. I produce. So I'm proud of my, I'm proud of my musical knowledge and I can put it up really against anybody. So yes, I'm definitely purely completely self-taught. It's, Mm. it's really just a gift that I've nurtured and, um, yeah, but wonderful, yes, that's wonderful. It, yeah. Well, moving along, it's a few months old now, but congratulations nonetheless on the news that I referred to back in the intro about signing with SRI Jazz. Needless to say, that's a huge goal of so, so many aspiring artists getting signed by a record label. So for the benefit of those listening that might fit that profile, how exactly did that happen? Walk, walk us through the process of getting signed by SRI Jazz. Sure. And I just I think I'm going to just say really quickly, because we were talking about this, and it's something that appeals to your listeners as far as people that are kind of learning the ropes or maybe it's starting out at different points of uh, contact in the music business. The idea of getting out of your own way as it pertains to what you were saying, where, you know, you can describe yourself as really broad, because if I come along and say, I can do this, I can do that. It's like, it might sound really good. But it's like when you walk into a store and you want ice cream. I mean, if there's 50 brands, you might not buy anything, but if there's like four brands, you'll probably probably buy one. Mm. It's a weird wow. thing we have, like almost sometimes when there's less choice. So that's also to say that, you know, getting out of your own way and, and figuring out, well, what's your entry point? Like, what can you say that people can get their heads around? And just trust that if you do have more versatility, that will get discovered. Like, I'm confident that once I start making it at the level I want to be at, people will say, oh, you also can do this stuff. Like Bruce Hornsby is a good example. Really, 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 really great jazz pianist. But nobody knew that. When he came along, he just became known in pop, the pop world with his two two or three really great hits. Mm-hmm. There's great piano playing on those hits, but it's not jazz per se. But <clears throat> he since has become known for what he already was known as beforehand, which is a very fine jazz pianist in his own right. So mm. that I use as an example of... Um, yeah, I like that. Y- y- and there's, you know, there's a bunch of artists like there's like, you know, even Fred Astaire, who was, you know, of course, he's just the iconic dancer. But mm-hmm. he started out as an actor. He was acting and singing in movies. He wasn't even necessarily dancing as mm-hmm. much. So wow. there there's examples where, like, if you have it, it will get discovered. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, but to get to the album thing, to say really quickly, yeah, I literally I sat down. I've been signed a few times and I was looking for another deal because I'm looking for more professional support right now. Found something called the Indie Bible, which I really highly recommend. I don't know yep. if you're familiar yep. with that, but yeah, really good resource. And I literally sat at my computer for a month and wrote to every single label that looked like it would be in my genre or close to my genre and said, hey, here's my music. Take a listen. Let me know if you'd be interested. And I got two offers and wow. um, I signed wow. with SRI. And uh, yeah, it's you know, it's funny. It's that old joke where they say you know, the, the woman keeps going to the top of the hill screaming for help from God for having, you know, she wants money and things keep getting worse and worse and worse. She keeps saying, help me win the lottery, help me win the lottery. And then, you know, every every day one more thing goes wrong. And finally, at the end of the week, she hears a voice saying, buy a ticket. Yeah. And yeah. it's like <laughs> you have to actually do the work. Jim Carrey has this famous interview where he talks about visualizing making 10 million dollars and he apparently it came true like three days before the date he wrote down um he he got that much money from his movie his newest movie and you know but oprah says to him yeah but then you have to do the work he says yeah you can't just go and have a sandwich like you have to actually do the work and it's 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 work you know you have to put the put the work out there but i do believe that if you have the intention and the commitment it will it will come but you definitely it takes it takes work and it takes dedication and focus for sure yeah and listeners if you are an aspiring artist who's looking for a deal you know the indie bible that that joshua referred to is is one good resource it's not the only one i i do believe that my company that now hear this incorporated is listing listed in there uh for the services that we provide um over and above just putting out this show every week but you know understand that you you don't write to them and say, well, I heard an interview with Joshua Rich and he got signed through because, you know, that's that's the quick way to get your, your email deleted. So just uh, be sensible a, a lot about a lot of this stuff. And if you are a performer yourself, a singer, a piano player, maybe like Joshua, any instrument for that matter, and you're looking to do any kind of recording whatsoever on your own, definitely check out all that Tascam has to offer. As you should know by now, I am fully outfitted with Tascam gear for this show, uh, both here as well as out in the field. But I'm looking at their website right now anyway, 
and hopefully you don't hear my mouse clicking <laughs> and yeah recorders players audio interfaces microphones audio for video editing software there's a lot to look at there a lot that they can help you with this episode of now hear this entertainment is being released the day before the start of the nam show in anaheim california if you're attending that event come see the huge Tascam booth there i will be there all four days of that show january 25th to the 28th and of course, check them out at Tascam.com. Joshua, I had asked you about how you got signed to SRI Jazz, and I know that another question that the up-and-coming artists have is how they get their music placed in film and television. That has become a huge outlet for those who make music. We've talked on a few episodes of NHTE about this because obviously there are different ways to go about that. In fact, it's been quite a while, unfortunately, but I used to talk a lot about uh, I used to send people back to episode 27 of this show, and the guest was singer-songwriter Chrissy Chase. She had had approximately 30 songs placed on Nickelodeon. So, Joshua, I mentioned in the intro that your music has been featured in movies and TV shows. What's the story in your case? How have you gotten such placements? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, you know, that's something I'm actually honestly still working on as far as getting stuff placed, you know, at a little bit of a higher level. But the movie companies and the TV companies um, are looking for indie artists. It's a really good thing for for an artist that's up and coming to know because the cost for them to put, um, and I know that you know this, I'm just sort of saying this for the listener, the cost for them to put, um, you know, to license a song for me uh, is a lot cheaper than from Billy Joel or Elton John or the Beatles. Um, but for me, that caught, you know, that amount would be great. You know, it, it, it's going to be a lot more money for me. Um, and it's a drop in the bucket for a much more established artist. So, um, definitely they should look for, for, for that opportunity. I think that, um, one thing that I've discovered myself is, and this is, um, I became an actor a few years ago and I've been making a lot of movies and I actually, I'm working on my, my first feature screenplay right now about my uncle actually. Um, and, you know, I just have created movies and I've created content and I've put my music in it. Um, I've also had ballet companies choreograph to my songs. So I think that a, a really great way of getting your music license is actually do it on your own, actually, and showcase what it looks like and sounds like and mm. use that when you're sending it to people. A lot of a lot of what I'm learning lately is kind of bringing the mountain to Muhammad. It's kind of like, yes, we want, you know, the people to come along and do things and, and buy us and all that kind of stuff. But it's also really helpful to remember that showing what it already is like is really helpful because a lot of people in the business at the levels of decision making are not the creative people. They're the ones who look at what already has worked and they don't really want to take chances per se, which is the whole lifelong irony of the arts where like it was new at one time, someone took a chance. Why don't they always look at it that way? But that's just the way of the world. So you have to realize that they're looking for something that they know works. So find places where your music might work, even like if you're making movies with your friends or if you can just make a little video, uh, puts together a slideshow, whatever, throw your music in there. If it's good music and if it works visually, then that's a great thing to show and people are going to see that. That also dovetails to something I was going to say about being signed, which it is great to be signed and the person who runs SRI is a great resource and he's got a lot of experience, really experienced guy in the business. However, when you're signed, it doesn't, and I know you know this too, it doesn't end there. It's actually the beginning of all the yeah. hard work because, yeah. you know, they, they're they trying to do their part. They have to help get you airplay. They have to help get you big, you know, gigs. And um, so it, it's good for people who are up and coming who have never been signed. It's not that you shouldn't try to be signed. I think it's great to, to get signed, but it's not some magical thing where you get signed and then that's it. And I think that's good for any level of the business. You know, even if you get music placed, like Chrissy, she got placed in Nickelodeon. So now she's building on that, trying to get more things. I mean, there's really no end point where it's like, oh, now I can just sit back and, you know, collect the money. You're, you're always out there working That's and hustling right. and there, there's always another level. And it still comes down to you being really diligent. But like I was saying earlier, you really have to work hard. You really have to be focused and just and diligent. And you can't really just ever take your foot off the pedal and figure the car will drive itself because until you get to a level where you really are like in what they call gold rotation on the radio or enough royalties or your performances are just guaranteed at that point you can relax a little bit but there's definitely a lot of hustling to get to that point so i just think that's an important thing for for performers to hear that are kind of starting out in the, in yeah, that and, I, and i love that you're bringing all this out because i could sit here on this podcast week after week and just talk by myself without a guest and eventually people would say well 
you know, he's an artist manager. He's a publicist. He he does all these different services for clients, for musicians, for performers. But, you know, I'd like to hear it from the horse's mouth and, and you know, almost word for word, Joshua, it's crazy. I, I've, I've mimicked, I've done my best impersonation a few times of Danny Brooks. He's a Canadian born Texas living, calls himself Texasippi soul man. He's been on this podcast twice. Episode 106. He sat across from me and he said, when you get a record deal, that's just the starting line for where you're going to go. And so he talked about the fact that it doesn't mean that you've arrived. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up about the, the, the way that you're getting your music into film, I'll call it. Because, you know, listeners, when, when I give out Joshua's website, you'll go on there and you'll see he has lots of videos on his website where you can see him doing work as an actor, movies, TV shows, commercials. And I intended to ask you, and, and you already you already answered it, but, you know, I love that you're being creative with a different way to get your your music exposed to people. For instance, on, I'm, I'm thinking of Katie Bell. She's a, a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist in Atlanta. Uh, she talked in episode 175 of this show about how she uses the work that she gets as a model to actually help with her music career. She was saying on that interview that at some modeling events, they'll find out that she does music and have her perform also. So she gets an unexpected opportunity to get her music out more. And and in your case, you know, you're saying, well, I'll either work with a buddy or I'll do my own film and my music goes in it, you know, because I think what happens is we know people who make films and you say, can you put this person in it for me? Or can you put this song in it for me? And they say, oh, I've already got something else in mind. And then it's like, well, now I don't want to be involved, you know, and you, and you feel bad speaking up and saying, I don't want to be involved, but it's like, look, you know, I, I need to benefit from this too. I, I would, I mean, that's a great point as far as Katie. And that's actually, that makes me think of two things really quick. So I have two short movies that I've written that are the second ones being edited right now, but they both feature original scores by me. So I'm writing it, I'm acting in it, I'm producing it. Um, and my music's in it. So that's wow. like, wow. I'm showcasing what it is I want to be doing for a living already. And I'm actually, and the other fun part is that I'm doing it. I'm not like, I mean, it's just fun to do too. It's like the part hmm. of this whole business that we forget about because we're so busy marketing ourselves. It's like, it really is fun. Like I have, and I'm working on a feature screenplay, which will feature, <clears throat> it's going to be written in the 1940s, but I'm going to put an original song of mine in there. Um, and again, it's just about keeping an eye on, you know, how it most focuses on your brand and with katie that's a good example of where you no matter where you are like if i'm an extra on a tv show or if i'm acting on whatever a commercial or i'm wherever if there are people there that in any way shape or form i can talk to about what i do you should always be open to saying hey i do such and such like always be talk. you never know who you're going to meet you never know who they're going to know and it's also just a nice way of being open to like if she's on a modeling shoot she's smart enough to realize that like there's not that much of a leap from modeling to music. It's not crazy to say, Hey, I'm a singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. Here's my card or whatever. Mm -hmm. She could even do a modeling shoot and put some of her music in it. You know, there's like, it's just being creative and being open to again, kind of the mountain to Muhammad idea where you're not just sitting around and you were talking about Tascam, which is a great brand, by the way, in this day and age, there's just no reason why people can't be producing as much content as they want. Um, on their own. So in the meantime, while they're waiting for labels to see them or they're waiting for agents or what have you, get content, get as much, we were talking about this off air, get as much content as you can get and have it out there. there you can never have too much content and have for it sure. be the content, have it be the content that you want to be doing, that you want other people paying for in the meantime, because not only is it fun, but it also shows like, well, this is why I want you to pay for this because this is what I think it's valuable. It also gives you a chance to see what you're good at, what you're not good at. Maybe you maybe you thought you were better at something and you're getting feedback like, ah, strengthen the other thing, focus, you know, in the, again, in terms of getting in, out of your own way. So those are two really good points, I think, that that just made me think of when you talked about Katie. So. Yeah, and you can make an informed decision about, you know, this is really important to what I'm doing, but I'm just not that good at it. So this is something I'm going to have to spend money on. And you hire someone that's an expert to, to do it for you rather than say, well, I'm not that good at it. Exactly. I'm just not going to do it at all. Yeah. And again, just in terms of getting out of your own way, just, you know, you've got to be open to what works and what helps you the most. And it might not look like what you want it to look like. Um, but if you can stay out of your own way and out of your own ego, um, you'll have much more success because, it, again, it's just what what works, what gets you where you want to get to. 
is the question, not yep. how does this best serve my preconceived kind of notion. Yep. That's that's a hard thing for artists to get, but I think once you figure that out, um, that's a lot of the journey right there. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is make your Instagram bio compelling as it relates to your performance career. Social media experts will tell you what valuable real estate that is. Every word counts and every character counts. Don't waste it telling people that you love bunnies and are a shopaholic who can't resist deep dish pizza. Tell them about you and your music and save the schmaltz for one of your posts. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Joshua, we talk a lot about the importance of connections. You have had the wonderful opportunity to work with the likes of a couple of really big names. I mentioned back in the intro, Grammy and Oscar-winning composer, performers, Marvin Hamlish and Randy Newman. As a quick aside, by the way, you and, and listeners, in 2013, I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony in Los Angeles to see Rush get inducted. Also inducted that night was Hart, and we had the founding guitarist from Hart, Roger Fisher, on this show, episode 86. And now here you are, Joshua, about to tell us about Randy Newman, who was also inducted that night that I was there at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony. Just to just talk about how you got to work with him and with Marvin Hamlish. Well, let me just say first, really quickly, Hart is really, I think they're one of the greatest all-time bands um, ever. They really, almost underratedly, so... Um, as far as inventiveness and everything like that and, and, and pop accessibility. Well, Marvin Hamlish was an amazing story. I've worked with him twice, actually. Um, mm. And for people who don't know, and they can Google him, quite accomplished. I think he was one of the only people that won a Grammy, an Oscar, a Pulitzer, and an Emmy. Wow. Um, wow. He, yeah, because he wrote the music for a chorus line. Um, he also wrote the music for, uh, he wrote The, the Way Sting. We Were. He wrote the yeah, and he wrote the, and he wrote this thing which broke Scott. Scott, which speaking of artists and my, just there's so much to say. I'll try to keep it. But Scott <laughs> Joplin's a great example where he was kind of known in his time and he had publishing and he was somewhat successful, but not anywhere near. You know, 60 years later when the Sting came along, and if he was alive now, good lord, the money that he can make. <laughs> Same with Mozart, just like these artists. Um, but yeah, so he's very. Uh, but he also was a conductor. Um, I had a friend. He hired me for an event to be a music director. Um, as I said, I've cut my teeth on pretty much every level of the business and every kind of piano playing there is and learned on the job. Uh, and I had to be a music director for a show. And then another one, I had to be an accompanist and put together a children's choir. And to my credit, I'll say that he called me the best accompanist that he'd ever worked with and the best music director. And that was really quite Mm. a, quite a feather in my cap. And, um, yeah, he, he was a really wonderful person to work with. Randy, I just got his number from a friend and I called him up and I was like, hey, you don't really know me, but could I talk to you? And he's like, (laughs) sure, come on down. He was so gracious. I just like showed up at his house. He had been to the dentist and he was like, I'm really sorry. I'm a little sore. I'm like, "Um, you're Randy Newman. It's really okay." (laughs) We sat together and um, it didn't pan out the way I was hoping it would as far as a project that he had an interest for me in. But he was really complimentary. Um, he got in touch with some friends of his at Disney and he passed my stuff on. So you never know. Things come to fruition when they're supposed to. But he, again, was very complimentary of my playing and, and very impressed. And it's, again, just another really great thing for me to know that, uh, you know, I was able to talk with him. And he was cracking jokes about Billy Joel. And it was fun. It was really Where fun was that? Great. You say you went to his house. It was at California? Yeah, yeah. I was living in California for a number of years. Oh, OK. Uh, and I was in San Francisco and I, I popped down to L.A. and and. Uh, set a load of them there. So in his house where you walk in and there's a grand piano and then you walk into the back in the studio where there's another grand. So mm. that's, that's cool. 
By the way, listeners, I hope you know by this point that anytime I refer to a past episode of NHTE, we do put links to those on the show page for each episode to make it easy for you to find and go back and listen to those. So in this case, the page for Joshua's episode of NHTE 207 will have links for those that I've been mentioning so far. Roger Fisher from Hart, Katie Bell, Chrissy Chase, Mark Allen Barnett, Danny Brooks. Okay, anyhow, Joshua, let's do another how-to type question. I'm about to give out your website and social media but one place that listeners can find your music is on Pandora, and I'll be darned if in 206 episodes of this show to date, I don't know that I've ever talked with a guest about Pandora, despite its popularity. So not only how did you get your music on Pandora, because from what I know, it's not as easy as some other platforms, but also how do you find it to be business-wise? Can, can an indie artist make any money to speak of off of being on Pandora? And then also, do you feel that you do attract new listeners, new fans by having your music on there? That's a, those are great questions. You know, the streaming services, they are tough to make money from because you just need so many clicks and so many spins. Um, but I think it's still much better to be streaming in this day and age. I take the positive view of everything. I think that the internet, in a way, is more challenging for musicians. Um, but I think that it also, conversely, provides opportunity that people didn't have 30 years ago as well. So once something hits the amount of attention and money that can be had and notoriety and ability to, you know, uh, move you forward is, is amazing. So I see the internet as a plus, but yeah, sadly the internet, the Pandora isn't necessarily an immediate moneymaker, but it's definitely one of those like much better to be on it than not. And everything mm. just grows. Even in this crazy technological world, there's still an organic nature about everything. There's word of mouth. There's the old fashioned. It just takes the time it takes. Um, you know, I go and work out of my Bikram studio and she's playing Pandora and I hear my song and I'm like, yay. <laughs> so, you know, after however many X number of plays or people hearing it or someone in LA, you know, I believe in, in karma and timing. So I would say, you know, hang in there, but it's not an immediate source of money, but I think it's really a good way to be present. And, you know, the social proof that's needed these days as an artist, it really helps with that too. So um, it's sort of the digital version of radio and that's just what our world is is becoming. We just need to like kind of get on board with it. But I, I have to mention, I have to imagine it's paying better than Spotify, which is at times a fraction of a penny. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to tell when I get my royalty statements. I'm trying to break down. There's a lot of different sources that are paying me, um, you know, Google Music and, and Apple. and I, There's a lot of different ones. It's kind of hard to really figure out who's paying what, but to me, I just say, you know what, I'm, I'm, if I'm out there being listened to in any way, that's awesome. And sure. it's my job to build on that and to, you know, get on my Facebook page and, and plug and promote and boost as much stuff as I can to people and say, hey, check me out. Um, again, like we were saying earlier, you have to do your job to promote the things that come through. So, yeah, it does pay better, but I'm not sure how much better. I think it still okay. comes down to, to volume. Um, sure, sure. And, and using it as a springboard. Did you submit directly to them? Or, or I know that CD Baby will oftentimes yeah. get listener, or I'm sorry, artist music out on several platforms. And, and perhaps they have added Pandora as one that they now send to. I think that they did because I had submitted privately and I, I got turned down a couple of times and okay. then I got accepted. Okay. But then once I got accepted, I went online and found out that other albums had been accepted already. So it looks like both things happened that... It was my effort as well as CD Baby. CD Baby, as I'm sure your listeners should definitely know about CD Baby, really a great, great resource for, for indie musicians. And how, and how. I'm speaking today with pianist, composer, and vocalist Joshua Rich, who's checking in on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Washington, D.C. Check out his official website at joshuarich.com. I have already mentioned that there are some videos on there of his acting work, but head there also to see some performance videos and for links to his social media. Joshua is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Be sure to keep up with him online as well so you can see where and when you can check out one of his performances in person. His music can be purchased on cdbaby.com as well as through the SRI Jazz Records website. As for our show, I want to point out that we have a Facebook group where you can go and talk with me, with other listeners of the show, and even a couple of the guests, some musicians. This is all in a group you can search for on Facebook called NHTE Listeners, or just go to our website, nhte.net, and click on the button there that says Join Our Facebook Group. Joshua, a couple of months ago, I was up there in our nation's capital as a featured speaker at DC PodFest, but I wasn't in town long enough 
and the schedule for that event didn't permit me to get out and try to find and listen to some live music. But I'm curious as to the scene up there as it relates to getting paid. On episode 79 of this show, my guest was singer-songwriter Natalie Jean, and on episode 99, it was musician Andy Kushner, both from up in that D.C., Maryland area. I'm not sure that I talked about this with either one of them, but I know that the cost of living is quite high in D.C., so is the pay for gigging musicians commensurate with that, or is there, unfortunately, a struggle for performers to make a decent buck up in your part of the country? What what are you seeing and hearing? Um, the music scene in D.C. is actually pretty great. Um, I think a lot of things, as well as with acting, um, have made this area really attractive to the New York um, you know, crowd and people because it's a more affordable place and, and there's less people doing it. Hmm. Um, that's an interesting question, though, because it's really two-pronged. It depends on how you want to make a living. So if you want to be a bar band, if you want to do covers, if you want to, you know, like for me, piano bar or background music, whatever, I think it pays fine and you can make a living like that. Mm. For me, that's kind of soul killing. What I really want to be doing is making a living as an artist. Mm. So I would say that I think there are a lot of opportunities to make it on a local level and the pay seems fine if you're doing kind of the bar band uh, cover expected kind of music kind of thing, which isn't very creative. The wineries are a big thing for people. Um, but for me to branch out and be at clubs where people are going to hear music at the quality and level that I think that I'm, I'm commensurate with, um, is a little bit harder. And that's kind of the middle ground place I find myself in where I have a lot of experience and I've got a lot of these credits. And as you can see, I've got a lot of presence online and in the world, but, um, kind of wanting now to monetize that as a performer, performer in my own right, where people are coming to see Joshua Rich as opposed to, oh, let's just go into this barn and mm-hmm. just we'll just have some food and, oh, there's some music playing. Um, but I think it's like anything. I think as far as that goes, it's like any city. I think the clubs that feature, there's some great clubs. There's some really great music clubs um, for people going to buy tickets to buy music. And I think it's the same thing. It's like you just have to get known enough and have your presence built enough where you can get the booking agents to bring you in there because you need to have a draw which gets back sure, to sure. something artists should know about which is again like you know i heard it explained great your what your worth as an artist is how many people will come see you times whatever that ticket costs and that's hmm. what you're worth if you just look at it from a business point of view so you always have to be, be building up your fan base um, but I yeah like it's that. a good it's a good scene there's a lot of good stuff happening that's good that's that's encouraging on, on a somewhat related note On the homepage of your website, there's a picture of you performing, and behind you is a banner that says Songwriters Association of of Washington. Let's give them a little plug. Who are they? What is your involvement with them? What was that event? Yeah, let's give them a little love. So SAW, I mean, it's it's not like New York or L.A. There's really not a lot of organizations, but SAW is a great organization for indie musicians, really nominal membership fee, and they do lots and lots of showcases, open mics, um, concerts, etc. And I've been fortunate enough to be featured in, lo- in a lot of those and be kind of presented by some of the people who are on the board. Um, and so that picture was taken at one of those showcases. And um, yes, and you can find them online. And they're just a really good support for indie musicians and for local musicians in the D.C., Maryland and Virginia area. So I guess I should ask then, is do, do you personally collaborate with any other members of that? Or, or is it no, Bruce, when I was talking about my songwriting before, I'm, I mean to say I literally write 100% by myself. I, I do write 100% by myself, but Saw is a great resource if you need or feel like you want help with songwriting. They do sort of like songwriting toolbox, you know, workshops and stuff. If you want to collaborate, there's a lot of great community around here with musicians who will collaborate with you. I've always just been a solo artist, but that's not to say that I couldn't if I wanted to. But what I use SAW for, as well as just the artist community in this area for, is, you know, sharing a show. So I'll be like, let's do a three-person bill or a four-person bill. Mm. We each bring some people in, and that takes the pressure off of our shoulders to have to do it ourselves. Yeah, I like that. That's That's a good idea. Yeah, that's what I'm worried. But it is a great, it is a great community as far as a lot of different artists and a lot of um, different musicians working together. And there's not a ton of ego. It's kind of like, I think just because again, it doesn't have that, 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 that Nashville or LA pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it tends to lend itself more to people who are like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do a show or you can open for me or what have you. So, yeah. Well, I mentioned back in the intro that you've appeared at thousands of venues, including the Kennedy center, that, that one in particular had to be really cool. But I wonder given the choice, would you opt for a big stage like that? Or would you actually choose a warm, intimate, smaller, cozy setting. Maybe there's even a particular place that you're envisioning as I'm saying that. And then, of course, 
regardless of your preference, a, a place like the Kennedy Center or a small place, why why would that be your preference? Yeah, that's another great question. It's like you have a microphone inside my head because a lot of these are things <laughs> that I'm dealing with in the new year, like resetting my, my branding and my marketing goals. Um, you know, to be honest, what I'd prefer is to have the choice. So it's sort of like as an actor, I'd love to be known enough that people offer me a ton of money to do like the sort of, you know, mainstream Batman movie where you're not really necessarily acting as much as it's just sort of more eye candy and more fun and entertaining. But you want the ability to be known enough that you can choose that. Or I can do the indie movie with Parker Posey and just be like having fun and really acting or digging my my chops into something. I think the same with music. I'd like to have the option to be at Kennedy Centers and, you know, the bigger places in, in the world. But um, I think actually my music does serve itself best in an intimate setting Actually, house concerts where there's like 20 or 30 people mm-hmm. seated around the piano, because what I do with the piano is so magical and unique and different that it's such a great experience for people to be right on top of that. Um, and my connection with an audience is so real, which is something they people have really commented on. The authenticity of what I do is very unusual. So I think that actually the smaller intimate places are a really great venue for me, ironically. Okay, okay. Or interesting. Well, we're going to close today with another song of yours, the title track to your latest CD, Come On Over. So before we let you go, Joshua, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Sure. And this is another example where a song starts one way and it it goes another way. And um, (laughs) you have to follow the story of the song and be true to the song. And the song is in charge, not you. Um, I started out writing like a political, let's all listen to the other person's side kind of song and let's all get along. And it turned into a love song. So it's become a love song. And it's Mm -hmm. really just about people who are trying to rekindle the spark that they once had and just trying to look at things from the other person's view. Um, and it became the title track of my new CD, which you so nicely plugged called Come On Over. And um, yeah, I hope people like it. It's really one of my favorite songs and it's been uh, really well received. And just tell the listeners about the CD itself, uh, number of songs, uh, the, you know, when it was released, that type of thing. Yeah, it's actually a collection of different songs that were recorded at sort of different er- different periods. So um, it's a really interesting kind of um, timeline, but it's got 14 songs uh, and they're all original. And you played you play Talking to Furniture at the beginning, which is on there. Come On Over is on there, obviously. And there's a lot of other songs. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a good timeline of like just different parts of my life, different points, relationship. Very upbeat, though. Overall, I'd say, you know, people can find it online. If you're looking for music that really lifts your spirit, lifts your heart, uh, makes you feel happy, makes you feel connected, um, and is very singable and very fun um, and very heartfelt, that's that's the best way to describe my music to people. So, yeah, I hope people will check it out. I'm really excited to be promoting the album and getting it out there. I like it. I like it. Well, Joshua, wonderful to talk to you, and thank you for so many insights, too. I know that the listeners who are up-and-comers thank you as well. Very good stuff, and uh, congratulations, gosh, on on so many things that you've accomplished, the, the, the SRI record deal, you know, playing at a place like the Kennedy Center. I mean, we've, we've highlighted a lot of your accomplishments, and there's probably even some that we didn't get to, but uh, all the best to you. Thank you for making the time today. Thank you. Really a pleasure to be on. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. Thank you, Bruce. Listeners, that's going to do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. I truly am grateful to all of you who listen and to this week's guest, pianist, composer, and vocalist Joshua Rich. Do check out his official website at joshuarich.com. And if you're a regular listener to this show, you know the drill. I've already done these things myself, so please follow my lead. Like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Purchase Joshua's music. There are links on his website to get it from cdbaby.com or from SRI Jazz Records' website. And keep up with him online for details on where and when you can go see him perform live. As I mentioned earlier, come join the Facebook group called NHTE Listeners to talk with other folks about this show, other folks being me, some singers and songwriters, other listeners, a past guest or two or three. Search for the group name or just go to our website, nhte.net, and click on the button that says Join Our Facebook Group. I do truly appreciate you listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Joshua Rich. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Come On Over. Come on over to my side I've been over to yours Let's stop giving in to pride 
Come on over to my side 